Hi guys and welcome to the Lonely Catch Up. It's myself, Rampant FM, and I'm joined by Moza. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. And uh, we also have Sean Spedden. How are you doing, Sean? Hey, I'm good. Thanks very much for having me on, guys. No, it's uh, it's, it's all right. We're obviously going to be covering uh, the Lone League and whatnot, but uh, I just have to ask you, Moza, who was uh, BSC's Twitter uh, guy this week? Uh, Craig Levine. <laughs> oh dear, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was. I was a Michael or. Uh... <laughs> ah, it was Michael. Was looking after the Twitter. Um, so. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, to be honest, it's it's not really banner, really. I, I had mixed reaction to the the tweet. I can take criticism uh, myself, obviously, but one club calling another club's class into question is a bit too Premier League drama for me, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, when I do Twitter, I, you know, I'm supporting the team and I, that's my outlook on it. It doesn't matter if it's Kelty or any other team. Uh, but obviously my question is, why was BSE more concerned with Kelty's Twitter? Uh, shouldn't they be looking above rather than below and maybe just concentrating on their own game? <laughs> uh, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> and... Funny enough, funny enough, Moza, there was no other comment. I didn't see any Whitehill fan or anyone taking offence apart from BSC. The way, I mean, one of the reasons we don't tend to talk about things like finance and dramas and all that sort of stuff is, uh, you know, because it's not in the best interest of basically what we try and promote the league and that's just on the end of football, eh? you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But that's why I think you're reading a wee bit too much because it's just one wee comment about you've said, oh, we've no scored in 10 minutes and they've just made a wee kind of comment on it. So... I don't. I don't think it was really pushing into the whole financy stuff and all that. Um, but hey, it's one of these things, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. So. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't me speaking for Kelly, obviously. That was just my personal <laughs> yeah, we opinion. Should, we um, should put this out there that that is us speaking as us. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I just I think it's well known. Obviously, I'm I'm doing the Kelly's Twitter on match day. But yeah, I just I just had to know because like I got on with Michael, I got on with you and everyone, but I just thought that was a wee bit like I, I, for me it wasn't banner, and that's why I'm sort of defending it on here. I know there is a few boys that uh, took it the wrong way, but I think it's probably one of them things, especially on the likes of club twitters, where if you're Kelty, you would you would love it, but if you're anyone else, you'd probably think maybe someone have to BSC, I guess. It's social media, isn't it? Yeah. So we'll get into. <laughs> We'll get into the football. Um, no East Stirling shirt this week. Uh, we'll start with Friday's game. Spartans versus Galaferadine Rovers. It uh, ended 2-0 uh, to Spartans at Ainsley Park. 25 minutes, a Blair Tommy bag buster from close range um, put them 1-0 ahead. Spartans did have a penalty shout before the end of the first half. Uh, but really, uh, Spartans Twitter guy, uh, <laughs> if tonight's first half is a cartoon character, Dury put a picture of Scrappy do so yeah it says a lot there 
Um, lots of chances for Spartans in the second half, but it took to the 76th minute. Uh, Spartans doubled their lead. Outstanding play by Stephen McDonald up the line. He delivers a tricky ball. The keeper can only palm it into the foot of Jack Smith, who taps home from a yard. And uh, yeah, another win for Spartans. Uh, another uh, decent, decent uh, win to keep the form going. Like you guys, had a wee a bit of social media banter with myself uh, with regards to every game being a game of the week. This was the one that that stood out to me, um, which I thought was quite funny. So the uh, I was in London last week, so I couldn't go. I was flying back on the Friday night. Um, but if I wasn't, I think this is a game I would have been at. Uh, I could have saw it going one of two ways. Um, Spartans, they've racked up a lot of goals in a few of their recent games. I thought it could have been a thriller in that sense. And I think everybody knows you can't write, can write Gal off, even going mm-hmm. to Hensley Park. I wouldn't have been no. surprised to have seen a, an upset. It ended up just being a respectable 2 0 winner. But yeah, I, I, it was the game that stood out for me. You'll probably know, and anyone else listening, I'll probably know that I've been quite a, a backer of Gala this year. I think they've done like good work in the, the close season, bringing in a, a decent squad, and it's finally kind of got to the point where, as you say, they can do something in any game they play, um, which is a, a huge step forward to them for the last time round. But I, I was quite similar uh, to yourself, Sean. I just obviously you've you've got to give Spartans a, the uh, the kind of favourite tag when they're at home because um, it's so hard to. Yeah. To come away with Ainsley Park with something, but the um, the two 0 result seems to have been pretty much agreed by everyone that was there. That's uh, spoken about it was a fair, fair enough result. Uh, and Jack Smith keeps banging him in. So I noticed uh, yourself rampant. Uh, you'd uh, you put a tweet out saying, "Oh, you're kind of still chasing that golden boot, <laughs> essentially." Because <laughs> ever since he's come back, yeah. he's he's injury knock. He's been right back into it, hasn't he? He's um. Absolutely, yeah. Like obviously, Spartans have really missed him when he's been out because that's what he does. He just puts the ball in the back of the net, and it's the most valuable thing you can have in a team. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, do you want to cover the BSC Glasgow game? Were you you were there, Moza, weren't you? Uh, well, I never made it in the end. Um, oh, you're joking. no, because <laughs> if um, if anyone follows me on Twitter, cheap plug. Um, Unfortunately, public transport let me down and it just didn't turn up, so I never made it to the game. I was standing waiting for about oh. 45 minutes in a bus that never bl- blooming arrived. But um, less said about the reliability of Mackies and moving on to the game itself. Uh, it was a routine enough result, uh, 3-0, um, BSE overcoming Gretna. And started off 13th minute, um, the ball was crossed in by... Jamie Mills from the left, a low ball, and Ewan O'Reilly on his debut, another one of the St Johnston young crop. Um, he'd started off having a couple of decent chances and he got a goal uh, right there. And then it was just kind of nip and tuck from there on um, until just about 20 minutes left to go and BSC put the game on ice just as Gretna began to tire. Another Jamie Mills cross and Martin Green scored what what's been described as a stunning strike. I've, I'm waiting to see the video of it, but I'm reliably informed it's a goal of the season contender. Um, from uh, from some of the guys that were there, Tam Tam was uh, saying about it on Twitter, and then the the killer blow two minutes later, and it was yet another Jamie Mills cross. He was just causing all sorts of issues for Gretna. Tamor, who had just came off the bench for Green. Uh, headed it, keeper made a decent save but Cammy Ballantyne was on, her, on hand to stick the ball into the empty net afterwards and so one thing that's played Gretna this season came up 15 minutes left uh, they got another red card 
Um, yep. They've had a fair few of them this season. And this time it was uh, Daniel Wadge. Just, uh, he gave up possession to the aforementioned June O'Reilly and just dragged him down. Basically, he realised his mistake, made a professional foul, sang Jello off the pitch. And it's, it's something that I suppose Gretna might be a bit concerned about because it seems to be quite regular when they go a couple of goals down and the game might be beyond them. They seem to pick up these red cards quite often. And it's... Um, yep. I don't know if it's a mentality thing or if it's just just one of these coincidences, but yeah, it's, it's something that kind of needs to be looked at, given it's happened a fair few times. Definitely agree, um, Moza. Obviously, I think um, I think it might have been again uh, against Kelly, but I remember saying that I was really impressed with Jamie Mills, and he just seems to go uh, strength to strength, uh, especially for BSC this season. Uh, another fantastic win for BSC. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the run goes on as well, so yeah, pretty comprehensive result against Gretna, I would say. I'd agree, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Jamie Mills, he was all over, he was all over the game by the sounds of it, I think if you, you know, you're crossing balls, this, you, the team tends to pay a bit of attention to that, so to then go and continue doing it for the whole game, and in the end, three goals for three crosses, yep. it's impressive stuff. When you've got a guy at this level with his kind of pace, he's probably the fastest guy in the league. Um, you're just going to cause issues for any right back um, because even if you've got a wee bit of speed about you, there's no way you're catching him. So if he gets round you, all he has to do is basically kind of knock it past you and run round the outside and it causes all sorts of issues if he's crossing us uh, on form like it was yesterday. Uh, we'll get into Cumbernauld Colts versus Edisport Academy. It was a 2 all draw. Uh, 20 minutes played, Stephen O'Neill threads a ball through to Sean Brown who slots uh, in at the keeper's near post. Five minutes later, Edisport were back level, uh, cross into the box, not collected by the keeper, who palms down for Ross McNeil to nick in and tap home. Second half, 67 minutes played, it was a defensive mix-up that lets uh, Edisport get their, gets their, get their lead with uh, Ross McNeil scoring yet another goal. 78 minutes, Fraser team brings uh, Colts back level from the spot after Sean Brown was filled in the box. Going by form, it's uh, a really decent point from uh, for Edisport, especially at Broadwood. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. Um, I think the, the teams, the thing I took away from this game is that, that both teams perhaps haven't had the, they haven't had, the, they haven't been able to maintain the consistency. Um, so a 2-2 is probably a decent result. But you would think that Colts would have would have liked to have taken three points from this one, especially since they were playing home. Yeah, it's, um, they've had a, a real weird run of results, uh, Cumbernauld Colts. And um, I do kind of feel that we jinxed them rampant because we had the chat about how coming towards the end of the season they do tend to fall off and whether they could kind of get that tag banished once and for all. But it looks like they're kind of playing up to it again. Um, but edgy sport... I, I'm inclined to give them a bit of credit here as well. Um, yeah, again, when when you look at kind of how the game's gone, McNeil again on loan for East Kilbride has managed to get the ball in the net for them. It's been a cracking loan signing, um, and it's like they they'll be disappointed not to go home with three points ultimately. But at least for from the Coles' point of view, you can say they kept fighting and they managed to get that goal right at the death. Um, that it shows the guys haven't given up. Like, norm. I guess normally the phrase would be that they're they're kind of on the beach already. Don't know if there are any beaches in Cumbernauld, but um, 
either they clearly still fine away, you know. Just um, it's two sides that I'd put are relatively the same level just now, and a draw seems as if it was a fair result. Yeah, we we all uh, kind of missed the next fixture, and uh, none of us chose that as uh, chose that as match of the week. Uh, but it, it does have uh, big implications for top four and certainly relegation. I would uh, suggest. Um, uh, Dalbiti versus Civil Service Strollers. Uh, Civil Service Strollers won 4-3. Uh, bit of a classic, uh, a bit of a fight back from Civil as well. Uh, Jordan Hop- Hopkinson fires Civil ahead after eight minutes. Four minutes later, it's all level after a perfectly placed strike by Connor Graham was hit low into the corner of the net. 17 minutes played, Scott Milliken gives Starr the lead uh, from the penalty spot. And 10 minutes before half-time, Dalbiti go 3-1 up from a civil own goal. Five minutes after the break, Craig Newells pulls one back with a cross, which has uh, ended up in the back of the net. And just after the hour mark, Scott Clapperton levels the game after getting uh, on the end of a cross. He prodded the ball into the net from close range. And civil uh, to win the game, Ross Guffrey came off the bench and fires civil ahead at the third time of Askin to make it. 4-3 Civil, an absolute classic uh, game. Uh, it sounded like uh, uh, people that were at Islecroft on Saturday got value for money, but obviously very disappointing and perhaps frustrating for Dalbiti. We'll, we'll get into the what the, the Dalbiti's reaction was later on then, but I, first I, I owe you apologies to our fans because when it was 3-2, I put a tweet out not one minute before civil service scored equaliser saying if Star hold on that's why you have it why you're well you're relegated <laughs> and fair play. So I totally jinxed you. Sorry about that. But um, no, absolute well, like you say, a bit of a classic, mate. Um I'm I'm pretty sure I did I'm gonna call you out on this because I'm pretty sure I did mention it as possibly one of the games <laughs> of the week. Albeit I said that about every game this week <laughs> as I normally do, but um no, it's it seems to be the same kind of story recurring with Albiti at the minute that they're doing enough to get themselves in a position to get a point or get three points, and it's just falling through at the death. And they're they're not really getting the rub of the green just now. And uh, for them to take a stroller side that have been bang on form and doing all sorts um, in the in the league to the to the wire, they'll be really really disappointed not to get something out of that because they've obviously played very yep. well to put themselves in the position initially um, but fair play to Civil because they've done it again they always seem to just do enough and their season just gets better and better the the campaign that Gary Jardins led them through has been absolutely first class Absolutely Moza and uh, I know Churchy, uh, David Churchill had a bit of a comment for us uh, on the Twitter but I kind of agree with him I think we're maybe not giving the team as much credit as we are the manager Uh they're absolutely doing fantastic. The boys there are, you know, experienced at this level, and they're they're every right to be, you know, in top four. Obviously, Spartans coming on a wee bit now, so it's going to be hard for them. But certainly, they're keeping up the pressure. And uh, yeah, uh, shout out to the guys. Uh, <laughs> I think they, I think we were a wee bit uh, giving too much credit to, to well, maybe not. Too much credit to the manager, but certainly maybe not praising the the team enough. But certainly uh, one of the reasons we're we're yeah. going over to Civil Moza, as I mentioned, because they're a good team. Obviously, they're going to be playing Stirling Uni uh, when we head over, which we'll probably shout out later. Obviously, but uh, 
yeah, it's certainly a team that I would happily go and watch uh, every week. Yeah, it was a fair comment from Churchill. And like you say, part of the reason that we're doing this uh, kind of catch-up meet-up at the, the Civil game is I don't think we do give the players enough credit. But we kind of need to go and see them in, in person to be able to do so. Because it's Absolutely. all very well as kind of saying, aye, this person scored or that person scored. But without seeing them in the flesh, it's really hard to give credit where it's due. So... Yep. No, like I say, it's a fair enough comment for Church, and that's why we're coming. So just make sure you guys perform when we're there, please. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be more than happy to sing your praises. Yep. <laughs> uh, there was a wee bit of a comment made uh, from Dalbeatty Star. We usually, as I mentioned earlier, Moz, I'm not into the big you know, drama things, but as Dalbeatty uh, posted it, we obviously have to give it a wee bit of recognition. Uh, they yep, posted uh-huh. on Facebook as uh, quotation marks, if you will, uh, as Star pushed for an equaliser, there was an all-mighty uh, scramish just outside the Stroller's technical area. An unused civil substitute twice left the area, twice entered the field of play, and twice prevented Star from taking a free kick. As you can imagine, all hell broke loose and the player was yellow-carded. But two Delbeatty Star players, Alan Jenkins and Richie Maxwell, were shown reds. They commented that the story during the rounds after the match was that the stroller substitute was just one booking away from a seven of suspension and his booking was deliberate. If true, if true, this could have serious repercussions, but does not uh, obviously it doesn't help Star, who will have two players suspended for next week. They did say, however, if this is just a story uh, that has grown arms and legs and way off the mark, they'll uh, obviously edit the comment. I yeah. think in terms of um, deliberate bookings and stuff, We've seen it, uh, certainly higher levels and stuff, but it's really hard to prove. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the player could just say, oh, well, you know. Um, I don't really know, what, having not been at the game, what's really went on there, but obviously Del Beatty certainly really disappointed with what's, you know, went on before the, before the equaliser. Yeah, I mean, it just seems a really bizarre one, doesn't it? Like, a guy who's probably got his big puffer jacket on on the bench, just going onto the field twice, just to like kick the ball away or whatever and stop the free kick. Because, well, there's no there's no saying that the referee's not going to send you off for doing that. Yep. So if it was trying to get a deliberate booking, it's a right big risk he's taking. Um, and the other flip side of that, if you want to play devil's advocate, is that the two star boys have clearly far overreacted and they've got themselves sent off. If they'd kept the head they wouldn't have been given red cards. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a difficult one. Like, you can understand that if he's incited that and he's done anything to incite it, he probably should have been off as well. But without being there and seeing it, it's a tough, tough one to kind of to talk through. But what do you think, Sean? Yeah, I think he's, again, hit the nail on the head. The, I think it can be difficult to prove, but the fact that he was on a new substitute and he kept coming on. If, if this is true, I think it, it could be quite interesting to see how it unfolds over the next few weeks. And uh, the two the two star boys, they've they've gone and interjected themselves into that situation. Whatever the whatever the thoughts behind um, civil service substitute doing that, fine. But they didn't need to get themselves involved. So if they've got a card, so they've only got themselves to hold responsible for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think. If I understand it correctly, like the league can take retrospective action, can't they? Uh, I think so, yeah. So as long as it's 
I don't even know if it's meant to be in the referee's report or not, but I'm sure the, ref, the, the league, if there is any concerns, they can investigate that and impose a suspension if the guy has done it deliberately. And as you say, it's going to be a nightmare to prove anything if it is the case, but it's just it just seems such a high-risk thing for somebody to try and get a booking. Why wouldn't you bring him off the bench and just get him to put a bad tackle on? Yeah. A Sergio Ramos-style tackle, if you will. <laughs> It'll definitely be interesting to see how it unfolds over the next um, week or so. I think uh, it's obviously disheartening for uh, for Dalby because they're going to be missing them players in a pretty much still a relegation battle. Uh, you know, despite you know what Whitehill are doing or whatever, uh, they're still having to pick up points just to to make sure of it. Uh, it's one of the other ones this season, Mozo. I don't think we've had many. Sort of events or any sort of that I remember anyway. Any this sort of thing happening or a club's pretty much came out and said this sort of thing this season. I might be wrong about that. No, there's not been too much. The only other one I can think of was when Dalbeetie went away to Kelty, and they were there was a few people chatting about the money and all that kind yeah. of thing. But there's not been really anything on the park as such that's been kind of like. Major stramashes or whatever. It's been actually it's been a pretty well mannered season. <laughs> it's up until now. <laughs> <laughs> up until now, <laughs> it's all kicking off now. <laughs> so as I said, mate, as long as we didn't get as bad as you know the Premier League or the whatever you want to call it. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> no. Uh, well, uh, we'll move on from that, but yeah, it's, it's uh, a bit of a weird one, but we obviously uh, had to highlight it because the club have came out and said it, and uh, again, none of us were at the game, so we don't know exactly what's went on. I, to tell you the truth, I don't even know what civil player was involved. The only reason I'm mentioning the Dalbeaty players is yep. because it was in the post, basically, yeah, so. But it's obviously been enough for them to put something out there for it, yeah. Yeah, there's been something, yeah, there's something happened anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, getting into East Kilbride versus Edinburgh University, three uh, 0 win, pretty much as expected at K Park. Uh, yeah, there's not really, uh, you know, uh, twenty three minutes played, and David Proctor plants the ball into the bottom left corner, brilliantly assisted by Paul Woods. Just before half time, it was uh, David Proctor with his second of the day, finishing a rebound after a good save from the Edinburgh Uni keeper, and a minute later. Go to Kilby, 3-0, it's that man again, it's Craig Malcolm, and to, to be honest, it's Kilby doing the business uh, at Cape Park early on, getting the win. Uh, so there's not really much else to say, they're just marching on to the title, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, yeah, it was a bog-standard uh, finish for, for East Kilbride. Um, one of the things I've been following quite closely is when when they're going to actually reach that point, where they, they win the league title, and it's something that I looked into before coming on here today. If you think Kelly can still reach 66 points, they'd have to win out, including two games against East Kilbride to do that, which, well, they haven't played yet, but East Kilbride yeah. look on, on fire, of course. Um, if you if you take that into consideration, East Kilbride essentially need eight points. Um, they're playing against Ed, Eddie Sport and Colts in their next two games, which means their third game, where they'd essentially win the title, is against the Spartans, which I think's I think that's quite a, an interesting twist, twist on their, their race towards that title, that they could essentially lift the cup at the, the current holders. That's a really interesting twist, isn't it? If that's the way it can all, all shakes out. Because, um, well, basically Spartans would be fighting to just keep their hands on it for one more week. 
Exactly, and they have they they have both played each other um, outside the league this season, and the Baltic and you know I, I don't know the exact results off the top of my head, but I know Spartans haven't been beaten in all those games. Yeah, um, so they'll be looking to do something similar. Um, but that would be those guys lifting that cup, having never played Kelly and only played BSC once, because mm-hmm. that's their last three games. So it would be quite interesting to see how that unfolds. And I think that we're, we're making the assumption that East Kilbride are winning this league, aren't we? So basically, I think the fact that they're going to face Kelty twice and BSC in their last three is going to keep them sharp and keep it's going to really help them going into the playoffs. Because if you're facing a couple of teams that, you know, it, it might be a, a kind of assumption to make, but if they're mid-table or further down the table, they might already have their minds on the summertime. They're not really in it. You can take your foot off the gas a wee bit and then get caught cold when the the games come round in the playoffs. So I think that'll really help uh, the way it's all kind of going to run through. And it probably also helps the fact that Albion Rovers are now winless in eight and they're barely scoring any goals. So they've got a, a right chance and a right focus there. If they get through there, they'll basically fancy themselves to get past them and get up. But um, yeah, it's a typical Kilby one getting back to the game itself. They've done the job professionally, very little fuss. They've got the kind of two, three goal cushion and they've seen it out and they just keep marching on. That's especially their MO at this point, isn't it? Massive uh, shout out to David Proctor. Uh, two goals. Uh, he's He's been uh, one of the signings for me of the season for East Kilbride. Uh, adds a wee bit more experience at the back and, you know, their, their uh, clean sheets, they don't lie. Uh, their defence has been by far the best in the league this season, as well as giving credit to the boys going forward, like Craig Malcolm and uh, and Paul Woods as well. Well, tweets aside, uh, Kelly Hearts uh, beat Whitehill Welfare 6-1. There was uh, chances for both teams in the opening 10 minutes. Uh, Whitehill, perhaps, maybe, were the better team, I would suggest. Uh, 19 minutes played, great play from Ross March sends uh, Brian Ritchie through. Four minutes later on the 23rd minute, Ross March again rips through the welfare defence to make it two. Three minutes later, on the 26th minute, uh, a set play, uh, Murray Carstairs header, a goal. Uh, Murray Carstairs obviously on a bit of uh, goal-scoring form as of late for Kelty. Two minutes later from that, a fantastic play again. Uh, Peter Grant comes out for welfare and uh, the ball's passed off for Stuart Cargill for the tap-in to make it 4-0. Whitehill Welfare probably had a a better second half uh, and just after the hour mark, uh, Kevin Keane uh, got a, a bit of a consolation for them but Kelty, not to be outdone, two minutes later Chris Dodd uh, made it 5-1 and just before the game finished, Murray Carstairs got his second with a low drive from a corner, a comprehensive 6-1 win for Kelty Hearts. And uh, just before we get into the game, I do have an interview with uh, Gary Layton. I'm here with Gary Layton. Uh, how do you think the game went today? Obviously a comprehensive uh, victory over Whitehall. It went to plan to start with. Anyway, the first half an hour, 35 minutes, we were absolutely rampant. We were in their face, we were, we were not giving them a minute, we were taking one, two touches, we were passing the ball quick and then I think because we earned the right to get into 4-0, we sort of maybe took our foot off the gas last 10-15, but then they games, they games, it happens like that in these games though because you get that far ahead, you go into a comfort zone, it shouldn't happen, you try to stay on your on your game but it's natural, it naturally happens, but the boys are doing brilliant now, so 
Uh, good run of form, uh, Spartans next, obviously they're in a bit of good form as well. Um, how are you how will be going into Ainsley Park? Oh, um, we'll be going in there to win it, obviously. There's not a team in this league, or there's not a team we come up against that we don't fancy ourselves winning. We'd, we'd see, we look at each other at training and the tempo at training, the standard, the quality of player we've got. We've got a bench there that could potentially walk into any team in that league. You know, it's, the competition's unbelievable, so we'll, we'll not obviously not be taking Spartans lightly at all. They're a really good side, hard place to go, but we'll be going there for the three points. So, Sean, you were at the game. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match? I think every every week we're just seeing Kelly get stronger and stronger. Um, they they were pretty clinical um, in their match play. Uh, in Saturday's game, they... The um, once Kelty tend to score a goal, that's like most teams when they're at their strongest. And you saw it, you saw it on Saturday when they knocked four goals in in ten minutes. Um, they just got that momentum and they just completely, compute completely went crazy off the back of that. Um, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of uncomfortableness when Barry first came in. There was a lot of changes to the team. I think for the the most part the team's really starting to gel now, and I, to this six one game here, um, it just showed how well well the team's all all gelling. It was great to see a mix of players finding the net as well. It wasn't, I say it wasn't a one one match, a uh, one person match, a one player match. But Ross Much, he was on fire. He was a standout player um, for me when I was watching it. His his pace. Whitehill just really struggled to keep keep up with him, um, and he had to say in most of those goals in some way or another. Absolutely, it was for me. It was unplayable at times, and uh, it's good to see. I mean, I was at the under twenties game on Friday, and it's good to see the likes of Ross, uh, Kieran McCauley. Um, get a chance in the first team and some other boys as well I think uh, Liam Kelly, Archie Rue have came up from the under 20s and had a bit of chance in the first team so there's definitely uh, there's definitely been a change in how they've played obviously uh, Chris Dodd coming in and uh, Ross Much as well added pretty much much needed pace I think out wide for Kelty and they've definitely changed their uh, approach under uh, Barry Ferguson and it's starting as you mentioned John it's starting to work out well for them and uh, they're not playing next week, obviously, but they've got that massive game at Ainsley Park, uh, you know, a week on Friday. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when they come up against uh, another team in form uh, in the shape of Spartans. Absolutely. It was great to see uh, Sean O'Neill coming off the bench as well and Kyle Wilson getting some game time because they're two, two people that are going to, I think, have a, a big impact on the club, club moving forward. Um, I think you're pretty bang on with the way that you've um, explained the whole Barry Ferguson situation, that now that he's beginning to get his stamp on things and the guys know what he's looking to do, it's beginning to work and it's beginning to gel and it's beginning to get fluid uh, for them. So going into next season, they'll be in a position where they know exactly what they want to do. And this bedding in process, even though they did have a wee bit of initial kind of bumps and scrapes trying to get used to it, will do them the power of good, you'd think, going into next season where... Well, Kelty essentially are going to go and try and win the league and get promoted next year, aren't they? That's that's got to be the aim. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's a hell of a run in sitting there if you're looking on the Kelty side of things. That you've got Spartans, you've got Cumbernauld Colts, and 
civil service strollers in the two East Kilbride games. So talk talk about an interesting finale to the, the league campaign. They've got um, a few right interesting looking fixtures coming up. The flip side of that though, if we're looking at welfare, this is why we've been saying for weeks now that they had to do something before this run of games because when you're playing these teams that are hitting their form and they're they're just you're going to find it so much tougher to get points, especially when you've been scraping and losing games the whole the whole season. They've got Gretna up next, which you'd say is probably the last chance alone, to be honest, because Gretna then Gala Feridine. We've already said that Gala are capable of taking points off anyone, but if they don't get anything off Gretna, I think it's time to plan ahead for the Easter Scotland League um, for them, sadly, but... The table doesn't lie at the end of the day. I was at the Whitehall game against Vale the week before as well, and and one thing that stood out for me is although you know this is a team that has struggled all season, in that Kelly six one game they at no point did it seem like their heads went down. They kept fighting the whole way through. Um, you know it's obviously it's a it's a club with a lot of history, and and the players they, they were still playing like that even in the ninetieth minute. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I agreed, Sean. I think for Whitehill, for me, they looked like a... From that 10-minute period, they, they looked like a, a beaten side in the first half, uh, in my opinion. But come out the second half, they they almost... You know, it was a, a change in character almost. But, you know, Kelty, as you mentioned, Moza, this isn't a game that they were going to look at and think they're going to get anything from it really had it been earlier in the season but now that the fact that they need to go out and win games uh, I think they've really put a uh, gave themselves a hard job basically and uh, to my game of the week uh, everyone was wrong about this one (laughs) I know uh, Stolen Uni uh, retweeted it so I might have been a bit of bias there but uh, Vale leaving versus University of Stirling it was 1-0 Vale Quite a remarkable game, actually. Uh, 25 minutes played, it was an own goal to put uh, Vela leaving 1-0 up. Liam Ireland, who we praised last week, Moza, he had a penalty saved by uh, University of Stirling keeper Kevin Walker. Uh, shout out to Chris Geddes, the gaffer got a run out, uh, 65 minutes played. Uh, 75th minute played, uh, it was a penalty to Stirling Uni with Ross Gilpin saving and uh, just before the end of the game it was another uni penalty and another Gilpin save so three uh, penalty three save penalties um, from what I've heard Sterling by their own admission couldn't buy a goal apart from the one they gave to Vale uh, we've talked about this before mate obviously um, for whatever for whatever reason they create a lot of chances but sometimes they just cannot get a goal this is a bit of a freak game though isn't it it's a tale of two keepers who have both played absolutely fantastic football by the sounds of it. Um, and ultimately, Vale have won it by, from Sterling's admission, a goal they've gifted to them. Um, with a, just a kind of slip at the back, um, but a slack defending. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really hard one to give feedback on, I'll be honest, just because yep. it's it, one of these games when there's so many penalties... I think the only thing you can do is give credit to the keepers and move on to next week and see if they can they can find other ways of getting the ball in the back than it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um it was none of none of the penalties actually went in, so it was it was the three saves. Um it's like credit to 
to Sterling Uni for their, their Twitter feed. It's it's one of the it's one of the better ones to follow and they put a lot of videos up. Um, so I had I'm sure we've yeah. all had a chance to see all three penalties and they weren't they were they were saves for the start, they weren't misses and there was some re- there was some really good uh-huh. saves. Um there was one of them that was a rebound, um where you know, essentially it was two two saves they had to make. Uh, one one looked like it was going top corner that was saved. Um yeah, the the veil keeper picked up man of the match and it, it was well deserved. Um, yeah, absolutely. But like you say, it's there's not much you can say without focusing too much on the three penalties because yeah, three saves that's that's a lot. Um, I will say though, um, for for Vale, I will say that I did I did choose them in the polls for for winning this one. <laughs> I have a feeling they might go out and win, so I'm quite happy quite happy with that one. Um, but that's them won three of the last four. No, it is. I, I'll send it. The uh, the um, yeah, they've won three out of four games. Yeah, three out of four games. They've um, only been beaten off East Kilbride mm-hmm. by one, which you can't really, you can't be too upset about that. Um, and they were the only team to move in the the league standings on Saturday, um, leapfrogging the two two uni uni teams. So I think they'll be they'll be a really happy side. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get into uh, next week's fixtures. There's only two Lowland League games and uh, both of them are quite interesting given this week. Uh, Delbiti Star at home uh, at Islecroft Stadium again against uh, Spartans. Uh, it's going to be difficult for Delbiti, but I'm sure the boys will be mo- motivated having uh, came up against civil service and probably been unlucky not to have uh, gotten something. I-, I think that's probably might inspire them, but s- certainly Spartans... Um, on form as well. Yeah, it's what what you see is what you get with this game. Spartans go in heavy favourites. Star will fancy their chances of getting a draw or potentially turning the tables. They do have those two boys now suspended for this game, but nobody expects them to take anything out of it. And that's sometimes where they are liable to pick up a point here and there. It's, it is down um, at Islecroft, but apart from that, it, sh- it should just be business as usual for Spartans, I think. Yeah, Brian. And uh, kind of a almost a similar fixture, uh, Vale leaving versus Civil Service Strollers. Again, the Edinburgh side uh, making the way down towards the borders. Uh, vale leaving being fantastic, as you mentioned, Sean. Uh, Civil Service Strollers, again, <laughs> pushing uh, pushing for uh, top four still. It's, I'm, I'm not going to pick a winner. Uh, I'd probably go with Civil, but the fact that Vale leaving... Uh, have been on a bit of form lately. You you can't really back against them, especially at home at Victoria Park. No, I think it's it's two teams that have got um, a lot of momentum going into this. I think even if there was a a full slate of games on next weekend, this is the one that would stand out. They might not be evenly matched on the the league table front, but you know, see, um, several service draws, they're going to be properly motivated going into this one after that comeback win. Um, on Saturday and likewise Vale uh, you're coming off a, a great form at the moment so uh, and I suppose you could give the edge to to Civil but like you say the fact that they're playing down at Victoria Park I think that just make, just another added extra to that game that's going to make it a really interesting one Yeah and uh, I don't really have anything else to add to that other than Vale Leeson folks, apologies for ramping calling you a Borders team again because we know you're not. <laughs> uh, but I just like meant similar, 
Similar fixtures. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and inner leavings down the bottom. <laughs> I'd leave it in for a bit of banter, mate, because that's quite funny. <laughs> so, uh, South Challenge Cup action, uh, Bonnie Rig, Rose Athletic versus Easter Luncher. We kind of suspect, I think, um, that Bonnie Rig might be coming into the league, uh, depending on everything, basically licensing and whatnot, but it looks they're looking really good. Uh, in terms of top teams in East of Scotland and Shire, obviously um, coming into form in the Lowland League, that's one of the more interesting fixtures, I would say, in the in the cup. Definitely, um, and just yesterday, actually, uh, the East of Scotland confirmed the way the the kind of championship playoffs going to happen, and they did the draw for it. So now we've got some certainty there. We know Bonnie are more than likely going to be one of the three teams in that, and. As of just now, they're the team with the strongest record and the strongest form. So they're they've also got the licensing um, progress there that it looks like they're going to get their license in time. So yeah, absolutely. That's um, that'll be a really good yardstick to see where they are because um, they they played against BSC earlier on uh, in the the cup campaign, but that was a, a kind of far weaker BSC team at that point when the injury crisis was on. But Bonnie Rigg still looked very good, very kind of strong, imposing side, uh, powerful up front, and they deserve to win that game. So it will be interesting now that Shire are obviously in a great run, and they're another team that's had a managerial change that are beginning to gel and find their feet. Well, we'll see how it works. But given them, given that I think Bonnie Rigg are most people's choice to come up, aren't they? Uh, yep. I suspect. So yeah, it will. It'll be. I want to certainly be keeping my eye on. Put it that way. No, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, we can't jump ahead too much and assume that they're going to be in the Lowland League next year. But I think a lot of us are thinking that that's the way it's going to it's going to pan out mm-hmm. um, because they've they've just been so good this this year. Um, if the if uh, Vale Leithen weren't all the way down in in the borders I'd be going to that game <laughs> but but no in all seriousness it's a, it's a long way away um, I don't think I'm I don't think I fancy making the trip down there so I think my second choice would be to, to go along and watch this game and I think that's what I'll end up doing Brian and uh, going into the next fixture Coldstream versus East Kilbride uh, I really like Coldstream I think it's a lot to do with their name I don't know why <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Uh, we've seen we've seen East of Scotland teams uh, do well against East Kilbride in cup competitions this season, so we can't really, uh, you know, it's a cup game at the end of the day. We can't really rule out Coldstream, especially at home. But I would imagine East Kilbride will probably go in there. You know, it's another path to per- perhaps like you know a double uh, this season if you know, wrap up the league as well. So they'll be going in full guns blazing. I would imagine. Uh, to try and win this competition as well. Yeah, and no disrespect to Goldstream because they're one of the, basically the original teams in the East has gone before the influx this year and a real historic name in Scottish football. I just don't see them being able to do anything against CK, even if it is a, a kind of freshened up Kilbride side that um, might have a few of the younger kids in or whatever. Um, if, if they're able to get anything out of that game, it'll be an absolutely massive shock. But uh, good luck to them because they've got here on merit to this point. So why not? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's East Kilbride's game to to lose, obviously. But 
the the fact that Goldstream will be inviting them um, to their their home ground for for a game, I think it, it's a good one for their fans, and it'll be a nice game for East Kilbride, I think as well, going and playing against a team that will be they'll come out with a lot of fight. You would think in that game. Yep, uh, going on to our next fixture, it's Socky Juniors versus Hilla Beef Hawthorns. Uh, I don't really, this is probably the, the fixture I probably know less about. Uh, Hilla Beef obviously up there in terms of East of Scotland on teams, but I really, I, I can't really call this, especially uh, Socky being at home, uh, certainly. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I'm actually going to this game uh, this weekend. Uh, thankfully it's a different public transport route I used to get there so I will actually make it um, but the reason I chose it is you've got two teams that are now East of Scotland teams having been East Juniors uh, they've had decent campaigns the two of them Hill Beath arguably a wee bit better but as a one-off cup game and it's two sides that like, you'd imagine will be very very competitive I couldn't really turn it down I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this to be honest yeah, I don't. I don't have much to to add to that. I think it'll be it'll be an interesting. It's obviously the most evenly matched game left in the, the South Challenge, so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Still on University versus Lovie and Fissel Hutchie Vale. We, I think we mentioned Hutchie Vale earlier uh, in the cup competitions, Moza, and I think at the time they weren't uh, getting to the heights that they were last season in terms of the league. I know a lot's changed obviously in the East of Scotland, but they seem to be sort of pressing on a wee bit now. Uh, Sterling, obviously they've had an issue a wee bit lately with uh, seeing out wins. It's a cup match, uh, they're at home at Fourth Bank, so this is another game that I find uh, difficult to call, especially with uh, Hutchie now sort of pushing on a wee bit uh, towards the end of the season. Yeah, they had a tough start to the season because uh, I remember us looking at their tables and being a bit surprised with where they were sitting in Conference B. Um, a lot of that had to do with the fact they lost a few of their really good players from last season. Um, if I remember, like, the Kelty picked up one of them and there was a few others went to, to rival teams. Yep. But interestingly enough, when you look at their record in the league this season, they're better as an away team than a home team. So you'd think that sets them up quite nicely for this going to visit Sterling Uni and, and trying to... Well, I, I guess it would still be considered a shock, wouldn't it? But it, it's probably two teams that are closer than some some would expect. Um, and I think they both play a similar standard of football. They try to play possession-passing football that's attractive to watch. So if it all works the right way, it could be a really decent game of football to go and watch as a neutral as well. Yeah, I think, think you're spot on and it's credit to the East of Scotland League and it just shows how close they are to the, the quality of the, the Lowland League. Um, it should make the next few seasons really interesting and this will be it'll be a good good game to keep an eye on. Brilliant, guys. So, uh, plug time. I'll let you go uh, first, as always, Moza. Yeah, no worries. Um, you'll generally find me on most social medias and so on at Moza Plays and obviously because we usually forget to put it into the very end. This particular podcast is at Official Catch Up on Twitter as well. Yeah, Brian, uh, I'm at Rampant FM, obviously, and Sean, obviously, uh, you run our Facebook page. I think we've got a few likes now. Uh, do you want to plug that? So, yeah, I've started running the, the Facebook page, um, just trying to help build up a bit more um, a bit more of a following for both the Lone League Catch Up and the Lone League itself. So, 
you can find us on Facebook and it's just Lowland League Catch-Up. Brilliant, uh, that pretty much brings the end to the episode. We'll be back next week covering them two Lowland League games and, of course, the South Challenge Cup. And uh, looking ahead also to uh, towards the end of the season, uh, giving our views and whatnot, as we always do, we want to thank uh, Michael Park and George Fraser and everyone that listens uh, to us uh, every week. And to the clubs, to the to the fans, to the players, to the managers that all get involved and support us as well. We'll see you next week. Till then, tweet responsibly.